welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and Institutes of Children's Ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Tonight about this, um, and I, I want to start off just by encouraging you that you know our kids worshiping is truly powerful. I don't know if you've ever experienced a group of kids um, singing out with all of their heart, and you know sometimes closing their eyes and lifting up their hands in worship. But it's truly one of those things that will bring a tear to your eye um, when you just experience that room of kids singing out with all of their hearts to God. It's the, the purest thing. Um, and one of my favorite verses about leading worship for kids, um, I came across this one day. I can remember, you know, the time and the, and the place of when I read this for the first time. But in Psalm 8, 1 and 2, um, in the message translation, it says, God, brilliant Lord, yours is a household name. Nursing infants gurgle choruses about you and toddlers shout the songs that drown out atheist battle. And I remember reading that in my office one day and it was kind of one of those moments where it's like hold up you know like what did I just read exactly and I know it was encouraging for me as a worship leader because I realized that um you know not everyone in my life um in, in my circle of you know friends and and family members and whatnot are exactly where they need to be in their relationship with God you know sometimes we grew up in a similar background, a similar church situation, but have gone two separate different paths. And to realize that the kids that we're ministering to, even in our nursery, even in our preschool ministry, you know, fourth grade boys, like whoever it is that you have, when they sing out God's praises, it can stop someone in their tracks um, who doesn't even believe that God exists um, and is who we believe that he is to stop and give that a second thought. And that, to me, is exciting. It encourages me. And I encourage, I, I challenge all of you to make worship be a part of the time that you have with kids each week. Um, whenever you have the kids, sing songs, not just for the sake of filling time, but sing songs to help kids learn how to be the worshipers that God created them to be. Um, I want to give you guys some tips um, here, and uh, I hope these will be helpful to you and your ministry. Um, the first thing to encourage you is that leading worship is more about your leadership ability than your musical ability. For some of you, you're probably sighing a big sigh of relief to hear that. Um, I'm not telling you uh, that it's okay to be tone deaf and have a microphone and sing into it loudly where you have a, a room full of kids that are covering their ears um, screaming. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But uh, oftentimes I've come across children's ministers who have asked me, they're like, I'm not musical, but I feel like I get, you know, how to lead worship for our kids. And is it okay that I'm the one that's training some of our volunteers doing this? And my response is always, absolutely. Because the thing that I have found is a good teacher um, has a sense of when their audience is getting it and when they're not. A good teacher goes back to the drawing board to find 
uh, a new idea, another solution on how to do it. And the same qualities that make a great teacher, a great teacher, a great storyteller, a great storyteller, any one of your volunteers that really excels in that area really comes down to their leadership ability and, and their ability to connect with an audience. And, um, so I just want to encourage you that it's not about being, you know, the ultimate musician here, but it's about you uh, being able to just have a pulse on your group of kids and leading them into God's presence and teaching them about what worship is. Um, you know, to lead worship means more than just standing up there uh, s- singing songs. I looked up the word leader in the dictionary and um it's not one of Webster's finest definitions. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit disappointed when I read what this definition was um, of the word leader, but it's just a person or a thing that leads. Um, but oftentimes, you know, we have something that we call worship, um, that we say we're leading kids in worship, but yet if they're not participating, then we're really not being effective as the leaders. We're just singing songs of worship. We're not leading them. And so I want to um, just in, encourage you to, to become a person that leads your kids in worship. Um, I like to think of it like this. I don't know if you can identify with me, but if you've ever taken an exercise class or if you've ever worked out with a, a personal trainer or, or maybe you grew up on some sports teams growing up where you had a coach, you had some people standing around you, encouraging you to do um, some form of a workout that let's just be honest, um, you wouldn't always do if there wasn't someone holding you accountable. You know, I don't know if you've ever gone to the gym by yourself, but you know, maybe you're supposed to do a certain thing and so many reps and so many sets of something. And the moment it starts getting a little bit hard and a little bit tough, you decide, oh, let's take another water break. You know, let's sit here for five minutes or, you know, maybe let's just, let's just, you know, that was good enough. Let's just go to Starbucks and call it a day. Um, we easily can give up, but, but when you have that person that's standing in front of you, encouraging you, telling you that you can do it, telling you, you know, three more times or you're stronger than before, all that sort of a stuff, um, it helps you. And we're encouraging kids to do something that's good for them. We're encouraging kids to do something that's healthy for them. And so, um, that's where, I think of worship leading kind of like that role of a personal trainer or exercise, um, you know, class instructor, because we're getting up there and we're helping people do what they maybe wouldn't do um, otherwise. So encouraging them to clap, encouraging them to sing out, encouraging them to sing louder, encouraging them to lift their hands, um, reminding them at certain points when they kind of forget and and, uh, lose track of what they're supposed to be doing of what's appropriate in that time. And so I hope that will be um, an encouragement to you. Uh, I thought it was fun that Sean was just sharing with you some stuff about David. David is always my prime example. When I look in the Bible and I think about worship, um, because when we look at Psalm and and some of the things, the scriptures that we can see in there from David and what he wrote, we see how he instructed us to worship God. He told us to clap your hands, all your people shout unto God with a voice of triumph, 
you know, sing a new song to the Lord. Um, David encouraged us and told us and showed us how to praise God. And I feel that that's our role as a worship leader is to do just that. Um, you know, it says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord in Psalm 134 too. Um, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things in Psalm 98 one. So you might not be the best singer and that's okay. You know, you can talk and lead your kids into the microphone and then maybe don't sing into the mic if you know that's not your skill set. But I know that through your example and through your teachings, you can effectively lead kids in worship. And um, the next thing I want to share with you guys here this evening is just that you can engage all ages, even the boys. Um, and so I want to share with you a couple of situations that I run into in talking to children's ministry leaders that they struggle and deal with. Um, and that is that most churches have a wide range of kids in one class. Um, and I've had people ask me, what do you do in this situation? I have found it seems that most commonly when people have, you know, that wide span all the way from like kindergarten up through fifth grade or sixth grade or whatever it is, that most people start dumbing things down, especially in the area of music, um, because they're so worried about those youngest kids. But I would encourage you to do the opposite. Aim high. Um, really, especially in the music time that you have with your kids, um, focus that music on the oldest ones in your class. Because the truth is, yeah, your five-year-old might not understand every word. They might not be able to um, read every word that's on the screen, you know, very quickly, at least as they're learning all that stuff. But they're not going to be leaving church and going up to mom and dad and saying, oh, my goodness, I couldn't understand the words to the second verse of this song that we sang today. It just went right over my head. I never want to go back. That's not going to happen. <laughs> If it does, it's a rarity. But um, if you don't connect and, and focus in on those oldest kids, they are going to roll their eyes, cross their arms, and decide they don't like it and choose not to participate. And that's the common thing that I hear about from leaders and that I see take place. And so aim your music high for them. Um, I refuse to sit on the sidelines and not be proactive in providing relevant ways to communicate the love and the truth of the word of God um, to our kids. And so um, one little thing that I saw happen only at one church that I've ever been to that I was at um, leading worship, but I thought it was such a great idea. You know, oftentimes people sit their kids um, by age group. And usually when I see that take place, the youngest kids are in the very front and then the oldest kids are in the very back. And what's that? happens. The oldest kids kind of check out. They stop being involved. They think that they kind of have a free pass to do whatever they want. And at this particular church that I was at this one day, they had their oldest kids in the very front and their youngest kids in the back. And afterwards, I was talking with that children's leader about it. And he said, do you know why I do it? He's like, because it keeps them involved and engaged and it helps them to be an example and they participate on a much higher level um, than they do when you kind of put them in the back and kind of give them that free pass to check out. So I, I would encourage you to try that and um, see if it works for you and kind of 
helps you connect with your oldest kids by focusing in on them and helping them to have truly the best seat in the house for what you're doing. And again, your youngest kids in the class are probably not going to have as big of a problem with it as you think that they, they would. So they're pretty easy, easy going when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, your music should engage the audience. You're not leading if no one is following. We talked about that a little bit before. Um, talk to your, your kids and find out what they like, you know, find out what they listen to all the other days of the week, find out what their favorite TV shows are by just asking these questions and kind of seeing what's popular and what connects with them. Um, the rest of the time when they're not at church, it can be an eye opening experience. Um, and I, this one particular, um, uh, situation. I, I was connecting with this one student as a pretty popular kid as part of our preteen ministry in our church. And I was um, initially asking her some questions about some new songs I was considering introducing to our ministry just to get some feedback before we started doing them. And um, it was so valuable that I ended up going through and uh, asking her about like every song we had done in the previous year in our ministry. And she would tell me great feedback of like, oh, we love that song or, oh, we're not crazy about it. Or, oh, the girls really like that one, but the boys don't like it as much. Or, yeah, we do like it, but we're kind of starting to get tired of it. And all of that was valuable because in that particular case, the song was still working well um, on Sundays. It seemed like it was going great. But to find out that they were starting to get tired of it was great, though, because I could kind of put it on pause put it on the sidelines for, you know, a couple of months and then pull it back out instead of overextending it. And, um, you know, people being completely sick and tired of it and not participating. So get some feedback, especially from, again, your oldest kids in your class of just what songs they like, what songs they don't. Um, play for them new material you're considering and get some feedback before you ever do it. It was a valuable hour of my life that I spent in just evaluating our ministry and seeing what really worked with them. So I want to ask you guys some questions about this. Um, what does your music sound like? Okay. Uh, a minute ago, I, I mentioned to find out what your kids are into the rest of the week. Go and listen to that. Go and watch that music video. Go and watch that TV show because your eyes will be opened. Um, and a very good possibility is what they're listening to the rest of the time sounds very different from what you're doing in your children's ministry on Sunday. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But when was the last time you introduced a new song? Sometimes in ministry, we get guilty of that, where we just kind of get in the rotation doing the same songs over and over and over for years upon years. And yes, you know, kids graduate and they move up and there's some rotation there. But sometimes, you know, singing a new song just can add a lot of life and add some excitement um, into your praise and worship time. I would encourage you, especially with your oldest kids, to not be silly when it comes to praise and worship. Sometimes people like like to do some songs that are just, they're just super silly. And that's everything that they, they try um, to do for their praise and worship times. But again, when I um, listen to a bunch of the music that I know is popular with this age group, it's not silly. It's not hokey. It's not cheesy. Something I always like to say to leaders is throw hokiness 
out the window <laughs> and never speak to it again. Okay. Those are some words to live back for me. Um, but it's just part of, you know, connecting with your kids, especially, you know, praise and worship is a serious thing. It's not a laughing matter. There's power in it. There's power in our kids learning how to have a relationship with God. You know, again, thinking of David, that's one of the things that I think made him be a man after God's own heart was he learned how to worship God no matter what was going on in his life. No matter if he needed the refuge, no matter if he needed the strength, no matter if he was having the best day ever or not the best day ever, he learned how to declare who God is and what he believed about God's greatness and to speak that out and sing that in his life. And that's what we need to do with this generation of kids is teach them how to have that kind of relationship with God. Um, okay, so the next thing is who is leading your worship? Um, something I always like to ask myself is, you know, is that person someone that connect, can connect with that sixth grade boy or whatever the top age group is in your class? Um, you know, anytime that you can get some teenagers um, or some young adults to be involved in your worship, it's a good thing because it becomes positive peer pressure of these kids start looking up to those um, kinds of students and those those age people. And so anytime I can get them involved, it is a major win um, to help me just have positive reinforcement and positive peer pressure with our kids to show them that you can be cool and you can love Jesus. You can be cool and, and hip and fun and you can praise God and sing out and lift up your hands and honor to the Lord. So that's something that I always um, like to, to consider getting is some, is some younger people involved in what we're doing. Um, also ask yourself, does your leader and your worship team look like they're having fun? That can be a key ingredient sometimes is just the countenance, the smiles, um, the appearance. I always encourage leaders to wear bright colors. You know, we know that Johnny Cash loved black and we know that it's slimming and all that kind of stuff. But especially when you're working with kids, bright colors and bold patterns can add a whole lot of happiness um, to your classroom and to the stage just by showing up. And so I think that's always a great tip um, for your worship leaders. Find ways to get uh, your your worship leaders, your worship team to kind of cut loose, you know, have them practice, film what they're doing and watch it back. That's a major, um, you know, experience gainer is just watching yourself back on video. Um, Stand in front of a mirror and see physically with your eyes what a smile looks like. Um, I, I had an experience years ago and I felt like I was smiling when I was on stage and I was singing, but I found out watching a video of myself that I wasn't hardly ever smiling. And so standing in front of a mirror and seeing what actually looks like a smile versus just what feels like a smile and then memorizing what that feels like was an important thing um, for me to do. So do stuff like that with your leaders as well to help them seem animated and excited about what you're doing. Um, I'm checking how much time I have here. Not a whole lot. Um, I do want to encourage you, you know, maybe you've gotten some young people involved. Maybe you have, you know, separated your oldest kids and they have their own preteen ministry class. Or maybe you've recently changed some of the songs you were doing and introduced new material. Um, And you might say, but Yancey, it's not, you know, it's not 
working so far. I haven't seen the results that I was hoping to. I just want to encourage you to realize that it takes some time. Um, keep sowing those good seeds into your kids. Um, keep making those changes and being faithful to do that, um, especially if they have been in a situation for a long time where maybe you had the wrong person leading them on worship, or maybe you've been singing the same songs for the past you know, 12 years or something like that. I like to liken it to your flower bed or your garden at home. You know, we would all love to have the perfect yard, you know, that's perfectly manicured, but it doesn't just happen by wishing that it did. Um, you have to, you know, de-weed it. You have to spray things to help the weeds not to grow. You have to fertilize, you have to water, you have to sometimes plant and, and give some other nutrients so that the ground can um, grow the right things. And, and I just encourage leaders to not become weary in well-doing. It's good to make those changes, but realize it's going to take some time. So just don't be weary. Keep on doing it. Keep teaching your kids what worship is about and um, making some of these changes. And over time, you know, six months from now, I guarantee your ministry will be in a different place than it might be in the current situation. Um, I don't have much time left, but I want to leave you with just a few things. Um, I know many of you are using pre-recorded music. You're using video tracks to help lead your worship. Um, I want to give you a couple quick things. The first one is just to be prepared. There's freedom and preparation. So spend some time learning um, the songs throughout the week. If you're just popping uh, the song on as you drive to the church on Sunday morning, trying to learn a new song, that's not really learning it. You're not going to have it memorized. You're not going to know the form of it. You're not going to know it like the back of your hand. So spend some time preparing. Um, there's freedom and preparation. Plan out what you're going to say. Plan out the transitions between songs or between the game you're going to play into the song or whatever that looks like throughout your service time. Plan that stuff out and plan what to say accordingly. Um, know your songs. Don't wait till the day of to plan, okay? And something I always like to tell leaders is that the anointing doesn't make up for a lack of preparation. You know, we can say a quick prayer over our service before we begin. And um, it's kind of like the boy that cried wolf, you know. Can God move in amazing ways on those days where, you know, someone had a, a flat tire on the way in or maybe someone's over in the back of the room, you know, puking into a trash can. And yet still when it was all said and done, God moved and something great happened that day. Is that possible? Yes, but don't rely on that to happen 52 weeks a year in your ministry. Um, spend time in prayer, but spend time in preparation as well, and God will honor it. I know that for sure. Um, some reminders for using your soundtracks effectively is just you control the intros and the instrumentals. Don't let them control you. So plan out what you're going to say. If it has a long intro, Use that music in the intro to do something with the kids, to get them standing up on their feet, to ask them a question that demands a response. If there's an instrumental in the song or an outro, you know, have them turn and engage with each other or have them repeat kind of a prayer um, at the end of the song and use that music accordingly. Um, Encourage participation with your kids. Explain what the song is about. That can be a good thing, especially as you're introducing a new song, is just to communicate what the message of it is and help your kids comprehend that. Um, have kids interact with each other. 
engage them by getting a verbal response. I love to ask questions that are going to make them respond because that naturally gets them engaged to what we're doing. And then they can continue on singing with us. Um, Communicate with whoever is helping you with your sound um, when you want them to start it. So you might know we're transitioning out of this other segment and this song has a really short intro. You might need to tell them, don't start the song until I say this or I cue you to do this. Um, maybe it's really, really long and you want to specify, okay, as soon as that other video is done, start this song and then you can get up there and you can get the kids standing up while the music is playing. So communicate that. It might take a little bit of time and, and um, a, a little bit of uh, repetition before you get that rapport with that person. But if you, if you will, in time, it will happen and it will make things be really smooth and not have all that dead time and awkward transitions and whatnot. So those are some things I'm going to leave you with. And just to ask you of what you heard here tonight, what is one thing that you could start doing um, this next week? I want to encourage you to do that. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.